RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, we are here in Lawfather headquarters, right here in the Lawfather Podcast studio. Thank you all for listening and check out all the shows on Radio Influence and check all of our social media out. We have TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. We try to keep some uh, good and interesting stuff on there. So kind of want to jump right into it today. And uh, as Jason was just mentioning to me as uh, we started the show, I think in the business they call it the top of the show, if you will. Um, you know, right before the first commercial break, I guess. Uh, yeah, we don't have commercials here because, well, there's three of you. Anyway, um, one day we'll get some advertisers. We'll get right on that. But anyway, um, you know, Jason was mentioning to me, hey, you know, when uh, we, we did the show last week, by the time the show actually made it on, uh, the Curtis Reeves trial was actually calling witnesses, which is not really a surprise. So, you know, last time we talked about the Curtis Reeves trial and we talked about the opening statements, just so you guys have a timeline of what was going on. Literally during my show prep that day, so just before the show, I was sitting and watching the opening statements from the state attorney live just before the show. And actually, when we started the show, the state attorney hadn't actually even finished his opening statement yet. Okay, He was most of the way through. And then after that would have been the defense's opening statement. And then after that, immediately after that, they're calling witnesses, okay? And I believe uh, I believe the victim's um, uh, wife was one of the first witnesses called. Uh, very powerful type of thing. And uh, you know, we may jump into some of the testimony of of that trial as we go and, and move through. Uh, the trial is still going on, and uh, a lot of moving parts. Uh, it, you know, it's a murder trial, so it's going to not be short. It's going to be long. There's going to be a lot of witnesses, especially because, well, it was in a movie theater and pre-COVID, there would have been a lot of witnesses in a movie theater, right? But what I want to look at today is kind of the opposite of what we looked at last time, which was the state's opening statement. I want to talk about the defense's opening statement. So watch that today. Wanted to break that down for everybody. And you know, really, it paints an interesting picture. And one of the things that those of you who may have watched the Curtis Reeves trial live, uh, it's on Court TV, by the way. And, and as I mentioned before, I definitely don't have any advertisers. Uh, Jason, maybe we can work on that and get some. Um, so this is not a plug for Court TV, but it's actually live on Court TV. So uh, it's pretty cool from that sense. And they actually break down and have uh, a lot of pieces from the trial broken down into uh, into segments. So, you know, I encourage you to take a look at that because this trial is happening as this show is happening. Literally today, that trial is going on. Uh, so, um, and today is Monday, uh, February 21st. So um, just to give you a little bit of an idea of where we are with things. So one of the big things to take a look at, if you happen to watch the, the trial and, and are getting an idea of things, is that typically, you know, there's not any objections typically in opening statements and closing statements, right? You, you, hear, you see it on TV, Your Honor, I object, and they, they stand up or they slam the desk and stand up. Oh, I object. How dare you? Um, you know, it, it was actually happening a lot in opening statements uh, with the during the defense's opening statement with the prosecution objecting. And, and there's a lot of couple of schools of thought, right? Some of sometimes you go, 
Do I object just because I can't object? Should I object? What is it, what is it going to do to the jury? Um, so let's let's break all of that down and look at that. And, and look, I, I've I don't know the defense team personally, but I've been in and around them a lot. And and Reeves has a really really good defense team. Okay, so um, they they are you know there's only a couple people if uh, you know if the cops ever knocked on my door. Uh, there's, you know, two to three people who I would call first and uh, have them represent me. His team would be, you know, one of those uh, one to two to three uh, attorneys in town who I, I would absolutely trust with that. Okay. So um, very, very good at what they do. Right. So, uh, you know, this is not a breakdown of, hey, they should have done this or they should have done that or this was good and this was bad. No, let's just look at it because let's look at the facts of the case and, and my God, the facts of the case are terrible for the defense, right? I mean, this is a tough case to defend. You have a guy in a movie theater with a gun, nothing wrong with that. Okay. Look, let me be honest with you. If I go to West shore mall to go to the movies, I have a gun on me. It's just happening. Now I do have a concealed permit and you know, kind of along the same lines, although I didn't retire as a deputy. Okay. Um, I was a little too young for retirement at 29. Um, I did, work as a deputy for six years. Okay. So, um, do have a lot of experience in that realm and, you know, look, you, you carry a gun every day for that long and, and you have to carry it off duty. So you just get used to it. It's just really a matter of life, right? It's just, you know, you put your shoes on, put a gun in your waistband. That's it. It's, it's honestly, it's that simple right now. I can tell you, right? So I started working uh, for Pinellas County Sheriff's Office in 2006, right? So we are, I don't know how many years from that, a lot of years. Um, I left in 2012. Uh, so we're 20 years from when I left, okay? And in all of that time, I worked for six years. So is that about 26 years? Okay. Lawyer math, look it up, need a calculator. And I don't have a calculator here. So anyway, um, 26 years of carrying a gun in street clothes, not as a deputy or not on duty. I can tell you how many times I pulled my gun in those 26 years. Zero, 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 zero. Okay. Because it is, it is not like when you are working on duty in uniform. Now, Conversely, could I tell you how many times I pulled my gun in six years as a deputy in uniform? No, not a chance I could tell you because I, it was too many. Okay. Um, not that I pulled it too many times, although I guess some would argue that pulling it would be too many, but um, I worked in some, some really, um, really kind of rough areas and um, window tint in Florida. Now I like the dark tint on my windows, but man, I'll tell you what, it, it's uh Sometimes it's tough to see, and sometimes people don't want to put down windows. But, um, yeah, having the butt end of a Glock tapping on your window generally gets the window down. I'm just saying, okay? Now, I don't know if that happened or didn't happen, but someone told me once that it helps to get dark windows down so you can see what's going on in there. Okay, all jokes aside, right? This is a, this is a serious topic. It really is. But Miller's story is this. 26 years, never pulled my gun off duty, right? Or... Uh, to this day, right? When I, when I carry it, um, concealed, I do have a concealed weapons permit. So we have a, a, a retired police officer in a movie theater with a gun 
and an unarmed individual who we'll call him middle aged. I think he was in his thirties. Okay, so uh, and and Reeves was in his seventies. He's still in his seventies, uh, about mid seventies, uh, early early seventies, uh, late seventies now. So, and, and you know, I think that part's going to be an important part for the jury to look at and consider because they're going to have to look at and consider what was reasonable for Reeves at the time, right? And so many years have gone by since the start of the trial that, hey, maybe he looks a little more frail, okay? Now, look, I saw him on on court TV today, and I didn't necessarily think that he looked frail. I mean, he looks like a 79-year-old man, right? I get that, but, um, you know, and, and that's that's really the picture that was being painted by the defense as they're doing their opening statement. Now, what, what's really cool about opening statements, right? And, and and you can start to see this actually as early as jury selection, right? Jury selection is the first thing that happens. And you can start seeing the, the case forming and, and, and each side kind of delivering what they expect to see in a case and, and what you should expect to see. And you start to paint this picture of who's going to win the case, right? And I've seen it. I've been a part of a trial that was like that. But very first trial was a, a felony criminal trial. And and myself and my trial partner were there doing. He had 30 plus years experience. He had more. He had worked as a lawyer longer than I had been alive. OK, and he's still working as a lawyer. So uh, and I'm 39. So that means he's been working long, long time. He probably, you know, might be time to retire. But, um, you know, to each his own. Um, love the guy. But it's, uh, I can't imagine um, working for, for that long. But anyway, um, you, you can start to paint this picture. I remember the state painting this picture, right, as they were doing jury selection. I know I'm off on a tangent, but the state really painted this picture of how bad of a person our client was. And, and you could watch the people. You could watch the people who were in the jury pool and, and how they, they latched on to what the state said, right? But then my trial partner came up. And gave our version of it. And you could just see the tide turn where it was, oh, wait, this guy isn't so bad. And this story didn't exactly happen the way the state portrayed it. And the thought process, you could literally see people changing their mind on it. It's its really an amazing thing. And if you ever get an opportunity to see something like that happen, I encourage you to go see it because its its it's awesome to just watch it happen, right? Other than that, Vardir and jury selection is boring. But when you can have something like that happen right in front of you, oh, it's awesome. It is it is amazingly awesome. Okay. So this is also, though, what I saw in the opening statements. I encourage all of you listening to the show and all of you right there on TikTok who are listening live, go check out Court TV. Go scroll over till you can find the opening statements. Watch the state's opening statement. Start figuring out you know, where you stand on it and then watch the defenses and start figuring out, you know, where you stand after they've gone, right? State goes first, defense goes next. Uh, I, I do see uh, somebody's asking why I'm, I'm doing this, um, you know, doing it because, hey, I'm a lawyer and I have a podcast. That's why I'm doing it. There you go. Uh, if you don't like it, uh, I got three people who listen on the podcast and a bunch of you listening on TikTok. So I suppose you don't have to listen. But anyway, I enjoy it. I hope you all enjoy it. Love to get your feedback. So anyway, let's break down the defense's opening. Okay. And, and here's the thing. The facts essentially are the same. The facts don't change between the state and the defense. The facts are the facts, right? Here's the undisputed facts. 
The victim is there, a row ahead of Curtis Reeves. Curtis Reeves is a row behind him. Some kind of altercation occurs. Curtis Reeves shoots and kills the victim. There's your undisputed facts. Now, how that all comes about and then how we figure out whether or not Curtis Reeves committed murder is a whole other thing, right? And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the quote-unquote truth, okay? I'm not saying it's based on lies, but it's not what you know, it's what you can prove, right? So think about it. We have two sets of lawyers, one on the state, one on the defense. The state's already gone. All defense can do is just try try to play the opposite of the state. And that's exactly what they do, right? They have the video and, and they, they show the video that the state showed before and they break down, they go, hey, these sets of witnesses were over here. These sets of witnesses were over here. And it was really cool. They had a, a little, uh, those of you who watch sports, a little, little telestrator, right? Where they can draw right on the screen. Pointing out, hey, you're going to hear from this witness who was seven rows up and in the back corner of the theater, but they heard the victim screaming at Mr. Reeves. You're going to hear from these people over here in this other corner, the same thing. Okay. And you have that. Now you did have the defense kind of stepping in the shoes of the jury and trying to, trying to go, Hey, you know, what would you do if, if you had this happen to you? What would you do if you had this person coming over a seat at you? Well, you can't do that, hence some of the objections, okay? And as I mentioned in the beginning, the state did object to a lot of a lot of what the defense was doing, okay? But keep in mind, right, the, the purpose of the state and the purpose of the defense are two separate things, right? The state has the burden. The state has to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. They have to prove that it all happened the way they say it happened. All the defense has to do? Not this much, right? Some would argue that the defense has an easier job than, than the state does because the defense doesn't truly have to prove anything, right? Literally, the trial could go like this. State gives their opening. Defense gives their opening. State gives, give, brings up all their witnesses, and defense can just go, we rest, if they don't think that the state put on enough to convict their client, right? So it's all on the state. So... What the defense opening, and if you watch it, what it was really all about was just creating that little bit of doubt that look how Mr. Reeves is walking. He has to hold on to the wall as he's coming down and out of the aisle, right? As he's going out to talk to the manager. Look how unsteady he is. This is not a man in good health. This is a man who needs help walking, right? Why is that important, right? Because, hey, he and the victim weren't walking anywhere. Right? They were both standing where they were standing, right? One row in front of the other. And But what's important to know and understand is, well, was he in good health? Because it all comes into his mindset. Because when we're talking about self-defense, and that's what this is. That's what this case is about. This case is about self-defense from the defense perspective. From the state perspective, it's about murder. It's about second-degree murder. But you have to be able to put your shoes, put yourself in the shoes of the defendant. What did a reasonable person with those physical capabilities, those physical mental capabilities, what could they do, right? And, and, and what do they perceive? And that's the toughest part. We have to decide what somebody perceived, right? Was it reasonable that Curtis Reeve perceived a threat, okay? Was it reasonable after getting popcorn thrown at him? right? That maybe he saw something shiny. 
who knows what it was, right? But hey, look, you're you're taught guns are shiny. They, you know what, Jason? I just realized something. They teach you all along, shiny, shiny, shiny. Every gun that not only the guns that I have are shiny. So you know, hey, real live, you know, hot take here, if you will, hot take on recorded podcast. Um, yeah, shiny object. I mean, unless you have a silver revolver, I, I'm. Most most semi-automatic semi-automatic guns are uh, are black or um, uh, here's one for you gunmetal colored right what color is that it's almost black right so <laughs> wow we really got off there but hey that shiny thing could have been the movie screen right it could have been the lights changing on the movie screen but hey I got popcorn thrown at me I see something shine and I I perceive it as a threat right or Hey, I see popcorn coming at me now. The defense said, hey, look, here it is. And they stopped the video. Here is the victim coming up over the seat into Reeves' aisle, right? So now he's gotten popcorn thrown at him. He's seen something shiny. And all of a sudden, boom, there's somebody coming over. Wow, right? Hey, maybe, just maybe what Reeves did was justified. Because remember, in the state of Florida, you have no duty to retreat. You do not have to leave where you're standing as long as you are lawfully, if you are standing in a lawful place, if you're lawfully there, you can use deadly force if you feel great bodily harm or deadly force is imminent against you or somebody else. Jason's sitting here with me. If somebody busts in the door into the Law Father podcast room, points a gun at Jason, I can use deadly force against that person even though he has not directed it at me. I can use it to save my buddy Jason over here. How about that? And I'm sure Jason will be very happy about that. Okay? So, you know, it, look, it, it's tough not to to joke and smile about things because, hey, here's the deal, right? Yes, the law is serious. Yes, what happened is very, very serious. Okay? But you know what? Why make it dry and boring, right? So, you know, that that's what we're looking at. And, and I think the state, or excuse me, I think the defense actually did a really great job of, of going, man, got me thinking, maybe he was justified, right? Now, all along, I've, I've been in the camp of, yeah, you know what? This guy did wrong, right? Reeves did wrong. He should not have shot that guy. And I still think that, right? But I think they moved the needle. And I think that helps a lot, right? You just got to move the needle a little bit. Keep moving the needle a little bit, planting those little seeds of doubt, and you don't get a conviction, right? That's what you're looking for when you're on the defense. Little tiny seeds of doubt. That's it, okay? And, and I think they did that. So you'll see, you take a look. You'll see they, they show the security video. They really make a big deal. And, and, you know, I think it gets lost on the average juror where they're talking about how the movie theater didn't pursue the, the law, law enforcement when they came in they didn't preserve the video they didn't take the video so the movie theater sent it to corporate and and there were things lost in the mix and and no one truly knows how the video system works and you know hey be that as it may the video is the video they got video there and honestly it, it's tough to see on the video what happened now that said I'm watching a video that is a video being taken of a video on a TV screen in a courtroom, right? Little tough. I'm hoping that the jury and everybody there has a much better view of what's happening because I look at it and go, I really don't know. I don't understand what the big deal is about this video and why it was 
matters whether it's sent the corporate or not, right? And why it matters whether um, the, I think it was Pasco County Sheriff's Office, why they didn't go get it. Uh, one of the things that they made a big deal about, and, and I really, really kind of a red herring, if you will, a, a, an issue that kind of takes you off of what the main point is. They go, well, the detective came into the movie theater and arrested Mr. Reeves right away, right? They had already determined that they were going to arrest Mr. Reeves for this before they knew anything about it. Yeah, I can tell you from the law enforcement side, if you have a shooting, right, and you have one person who's shot and one person who's the shooter, you're probably at least going to detain the shooter first, right? And well, you're going to tend, you have somebody's going to tend to the victim. Okay, so let's start there. Someone's going to take care of the victim. And everybody else, you're going to go arrest the guy with the gun. Why? Because he's the guy with the gun. And then you're going to try to figure out what the heck is going on. Because you get there, you don't know. And I can't imagine the pandemonium in a movie theater and a shooting. And, you know, there's been shootings in movie theaters that have turned far more deadly than this one. Right. And uh, so I can imagine the panic and the anxiety and everything else. So, you know, to to say, hey, well, oh, it, you know, they had made their mind up right from the beginning. Hey, look, seemingly. You know, having been on both sides, and look, nothing against the defense team because I know those, I, I, I've seen those guys in real life. Great lawyers. They haven't been cops, right? So, and you don't really get the ins and outs of that unless you've been there. So, uh, but overall, great job by them. You know, it, it's going to be a long trial. It's, it's still going on now. Maybe we'll look at another breakdown. But it's really interesting to see if you get an opportunity, like I said before, take a look. And, and yes, uh, those of you on TikTok, yes, it was... Uh, um, the I believe it was AMC 18 in Pasco County. I believe it was Wesley Chapel um, that this shooting actually happened in. At Court TV, they keep calling it Tampa. It is not Tampa, okay? It is considered Tampa Bay. So those of you outside of the Tampa Bay area who are listening to this, it is not what we would essentially say Tampa proper. It's not in the city of Tampa. Uh, it's actually not even in Hillsborough County, which Tampa's in Hillsborough County. It's in uh, Pasco County, and I believe Wesley Chapel, or I know Wesley Chapel, is an unincorporated area within Pasco County. There's your geographic lesson for the day. All right. So there's the breakdown on the defense opening for the Curtis Reeves murder trial. And, you know, maybe we'll take a look, look at some of the feedback that gotten on uh, the openings for both the state and the defense and go from there. Please check us out on all of our social media. Check out our YouTube. You know, I, I do try to answer a lot of listener questions and I do try to put some good information on there. So please go check it out. Check out, you know what? Check out our Instagram from today. Talking about what to do, get stopped and ask for a search. All right? Right here, Lawfather Studios in Lawfather Headquarters. Lawfather out. <laughs>